I was a little distracted this morning. I was uh, up here playing guitar, and, and David, he uh, likes to be fashionably just a hair late. And David walked in and sat down, and he turned to talk to Sister Jessica. And I thought, where is David's ponytail? I thought he had left it at home this morning. And then he turned the other way, and I thought, well, it's not on that side. I thought he had it looped around on his shoulder or something. And uh, David has got a haircut. Did you get a haircut, or did something bad happen? Okay. I just I thought you might have had an accident, and I was embarrassing you or something. But uh, <laughs> So, well, that's an answered prayer. Cecil, come up here and lead us and praise him again. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but we can have fun in the house of the Lord, right? <laughs> I like to. I love Brother David. He's a good, a good guy, and uh, and and ever since I've known him, his hair's been below his, touching his collar, and then he comes in, and and we've got a new man. Praise the Lord this morning, and Daniel, you're next, brother. So I can try, right? If you've got your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the book of Second Timothy, the book of Second Timothy, chapter number two. And we're going to read just a little bit of a letter, and it's a farewell letter. Uh, the Apostle Paul is giving Timothy uh, his, his final marching orders, if you will. And Paul knows that, that his time is drawing short. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. If you would, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. And my voice has cleared up a little bit. And uh, whoever's praying, you just continue to pray. And uh, I'll preach till I can't talk anymore, so we may be here all day, but that'll be okay. I may not get another chance to talk today if I get out of the pulpit. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, if you're there, say amen. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. And God, I thank you for each one that's gathered here. I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of, of attending this morning. And God, I just pray that you would move on us in a special way. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit, he would continue to minister this morning among us. And Lord, as your word goes out, I pray that it would just penetrate hearts. And God, that people would be touched. And Lord, that they would hear what you have to say this morning. God, use me as, as your vessel this morning. Lord, I yield myself to you. Lord, absolutely unable to do anything. God, in myself, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, touch if somebody needs help this morning, God, or, or somebody needs healing, whatever the need may be, God, I just pray that you would meet those needs. Bless as only you can. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Everybody knows what today is, right? It is July the 4th, and we celebrate uh, America's independence and and I saw uh, some of you that are are not so technology savvy uh, I won't even mention the word meme any you know what a meme is anybody I saw one that says uh, it was from a British person and it said a uh, happy happy tyranny day or was that what it was Tanner 
what was the word? Was it tyranny? Is that what the, they said that we're tyrants and that they're not tyrants. What's the word? Somebody. Traitors, right? We're traitors. Happy day, happy trader day. And they called us traitors. A British person did. But I tell you what, I am thankful to live where I live. Aren't, aren't you glad to live in the United States? And I'm also thankful that I live in Tennessee. I can't think of a better place to live. I've, I've been several places and, and I'm thankful to live here. And this was brought to, brought to you today by the fact that some people were willing to, to do something that they had never done before, and that was step out and to sign a document called the Declaration of Independence. A lot of you are familiar with that document. And that, that basically what that did was that put the British government on notice and told them that the, the, the colonies, the 13 colonies, had had enough of their taxes and enough of, of their tyranny and, and all these things that they were dealing with. And they said, you know what, we've been here long enough and, and we're going to declare ourselves independent from the British government. And when they did this, there were 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. And, and uh, 56 men that did not know what would come of this, but they knew that when they did this, it would not be easy. I want you to understand this, and and I'm going to get to the message in just a moment, that at the time, the British government was the most powerful government in the world. They had had just millions of people under their their rule, and and they still ruled with the king and queen at this time, and and, and King George, he was on the throne in England at this time, and they, they sent him notice and said, we are now independent from you now any good king when when somebody writes them a letter and puts them on notice they just obviously they will surrender those people and say you know what you're right I'm going to give you your freedom and you can you can you know do your own thing and and I understand you know I get it that's that's not what he did at all was it and so he, he declared war and began to wage war on these on these 13 colonies these people that were his subjects now again, this is the most powerful army, the most powerful government in the world. And as they began this war, I'm going I'm to tell you a little bit of history. And I'm, I'm going to the Bible, I promise. Don't, don't, don't lose me here. But it says this, that five signers of the Declaration of Independence were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine of those men fought in the War of Independence and died from wounds or hardships, remember that word, that they suffered. Two lost their sons in the Continental Army and another two had sons captured. At least a dozen of the 56 had their homes pillaged and burned. Now, who were these men that signed this document? They, they were not just, just you know, farmers that decided, hey, one day, let, let's just declare ourselves independent and, and the, the, let's start a club. Let's call it the United States of America and let's just, let's just see what happens. These men had calculated. These men were smart. In fact, I, I have some of their jobs. Some of them were lawyers. Some of them were merchants and some of them uh, owned plantations. One of them was a teacher. One was even a musician and one owned a printing press. These were men that were educated, men that were smart, and they made a decision that day to do something that they were not sure what would the outcome would be, but they knew that something had to happen. Now here's the thing about it, is when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you don't really know what you're going to go through, do you? 
You don't know, know what's going to happen, but, but you know, and I'll tell you this, that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a target of a tyrant. Would you say amen to that? And his name is Satan. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then, then you essentially, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you go to war with the forces of evil. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the, 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 the powers of darkness in this world. Now, I'm not telling you all this to discourage you and say, hey, being a Christian's no good and, and it's hard and you shouldn't do it. No, what I'm saying this morning is that for the ones that are saved, maybe if you're dealing with something this morning, maybe if you're going through a battle or, or dealing with things that you don't understand, there's a reason for that. You shouldn't get discouraged and say, hey, why is this happening to me? Anybody in here that's saved ever went through a really hard time? Anybody at all? Raise your hand and, and look around the room. Pretty much anybody that is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ has been through something and, and dealt with things that they wish that they didn't have to deal with. And as the Apostle Paul is, is writing his farewell letter to Timothy, he says this, he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, he says, not only be strong, he says, you notice verse 1, he says, thou therefore my son, and then in verse 3, he again says, thou therefore, and then he says, do something else, he says, endure hardness. You notice that the word that, that was used in this, in this little thing that I read is that the men, these, war, these men that died, they died from either wounds or hardships. That's what that word hardness means, it means hardships. He says, endure hardships. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When you get saved, you, you basically join what I would call the biggest army in the world. And that is the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is at the head of that army. Can you say amen? How many of you believe that you're a soldier in the army of the Lord Jesus this morning? you believe that? And if you don't, then I hope this, this message will, will convince you of that. I hope that you'll understand the, the gravity of what we do as Christians. See, I wish that when I had gotten saved, that, that I would have gotten on a road that was made out of yellow bricks and lined with roses. Wouldn't that have been awesome? If when you got saved, everything just went great and everything just, you know, all the, everything lined up. And you know what? I think, I think that if that's how it was, that a lot more people might come to Jesus. You, would you say amen to that? That if everything, when you got saved, if, if, if everything just happened right and, and things lined up and things started going well, I would say that a lot more people would probably say, you know what? I want to I wanna live that life. I want to be one of those people. But that's not always how it goes. And when these men, when they declared their independence, I mean, they, they had it pretty good. Even though they were dealing with some, some undue taxation maybe and, some, and living under a king that was several thousand miles away, I want you to understand that they had it pretty well. See, they had, they had all the things that this thing we call the United States of America had to offer. They had all the timber and all the, the land and the animals were doing good and, and they were doing okay. And they had established cities and, and commerce with other countries and, and things were going good. And they knew that as soon as they declared that they were independent from the British government that a lot of these things, a lot of these luxuries that they were living with were just going to be cut off and it was not going to be as enjoyable as it used to be. 
They knew they were going to have to take some risks. And as a Christian, we, we understand that when we become a Christian, that there are some things that, that we have to cut off. Would you say amen? Maybe some pleasures that we're enjoying and maybe some things that, are, that we think are good that, that may not be as good as we think because they're coming from the wrong place and we have to be willing to endure those things sometimes. And you think, well, you're painting a pretty terrible picture this morning. Why in the world would I want to become a Christian? Why in the world would I want to serve somebody who makes me go through things? Well, let me say this, that if, if, you're, if you're living life, and you are today, obviously if you're breathing, you're going to deal with bad things. You're going to deal with, with terrible things, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. So I would tell you this this morning, that I would much rather go through life with the Holy Spirit as my comforter and with Jesus as my Savior than I would hopelessly lost and not knowing what's going to happen from day to day. I would much rather go through life with the promise of Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 5 when, when Jesus said that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I would much rather live my life like that. We're all going to go through things. It's part of this, this wonderful thing that we live in called the flesh. It's part of this, this thing that we live under called the curse because of Adam and Eve. And, and they brought sin on the world and now we deal with things and go through things. And, and all this happens and we have to, sometimes we have to endure these hardships. But he tells him, he says, thou therefore endure hardness as what? A good soldier of Jesus Christ. He calls, he, he tells Timothy, he said, he said, you're a soldier. And I believe that, that that title would apply to every single person sitting here in this room this morning that's been blood bought. Is you're a soldier. You may, you may not think you're much of a soldier, and, and who knows, you may not be. You may not be doing much damage to the enemy. You may not be, be fighting the war very well. But regardless, if, if you know Jesus as your Savior, we're fighting a war. And just as these men who signed this Declaration of Independence, none of these men were professional soldiers. Uh, none of these men at this time were even in the army. They were, they were representatives of the colonies. They had jobs just like me and you, lawyers and, and, and businessmen and, and, and just, they, they did all these things. But they said, you know what, we're willing to fight the fight. And so I'm going to tell you this morning why these men did what they did and hopefully you'll understand why I do what I do. The first thing is that I have a reason to fight this morning. I've got a reason to fight. Those men, when they looked out and, and they looked at their families, and, and many of these men, they, they had families. Almost all of them had a wife and children, and some of them had grandchildren. And as they looked at that, a lot of them simply did what they did because they wanted a better future for their family. They did not want their children and their grandchildren to grow up under the tyranny of King George, the, the king of, of England at this time. And so they said, you know what, it may take me dying for them to see something different, but if, it's, if that's what has to happen, then it's what has to happen. Let me tell you why I fight the fight today. Because I have a reason to. You know why I, 
You know why I stand here and preach? You know why I, I try to attend church? You know why I do what I do? Because I'm just like those people. I have a family and I have children that I care about and, and people that I have to stand for. And let me tell you, you're not worth a whole lot if you're not willing to fight for your family. Amen? You know, there's a lot of people in this world that just, you know, they'll just float downstream and, and let their kids do anything and, and just say, you know what, go the way of the world, that's fine. But as a Christian, I have to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for something that's not very popular these days, and that is the truth. Amen? Did you know the truth is not very popular these days? I had a conversation last Monday with some very smart men. And, uh, and, and they, were, they were some of the smartest guys in the state of Tennessee. It was the executive board of the Free Will Baptists. They were here meeting in our conference room on Monday. And uh, they, they were talking, some, some of the most smartest guys, and they invited me to lunch with them. And, and I know this is going to be hard for you all to believe, but I just kept my mouth shut and listened. I thought, hey, these are smart guys. I'm going to see what they had to say. And, and sure enough, they got together, and they, they, we were talking over lunch. And Chris Dotson, our state director, he, he looked at the table and he said, what do you guys think is the biggest issue that we're going to face as a denomination, as a free will Baptist denomination in the next 10 years? And I thought, man, that's a good question, isn't it? Wouldn't you all like to know the answer to that question? What's the biggest thing that we're going to face? And, they, and everybody kind of scratched their head for just a second, and one guy just real quick popped it off. He said, you know what we're going to face? He said, we're going to face uh, something called inerrancy of Scripture. Now, that don't mean a whole lot to, to just the, the common person that, that may not know what the word inerrancy means. But what that means in layman's terms is this, that people are not going to believe that the Bible is true. People are going to believe that you, are, or if you look, that you're going to be able to find things in the Bible that did not happen that you're going to be able to find uh, fallacies and you're going to be able to find contradictions and you're going to be able to find all these things and people are, be are going to begin to believe that the Bible is not the truth. Now, now what, was, what, what scared me about that, that situation was that they didn't say that, that the world or, or that universities or that whoever are going to find inerrancy in the Bible. It is going to be the free will Baptists. Now think about that for a minute. That ought, to, that ought to make you say, hold on. How many of you in here believe the Bible is the truth? I believe that this morning. And you know what I'm willing to do? I'm willing to stand up and fight for what I believe is true. And, and I don't know what it'll take and, and I don't know when it'll come. But if you can't believe that the Bible is true then what can you believe is the truth? People are saying now that truth is just relative to how you feel. I want to tell you what, that's baloney. Anybody familiar with that? I hope I, hope I can say that and you all know what I mean. That, that, is, that, that could be no further from the truth. And we have a reason to be a soldier and the fact that we need to defend what is true. I need to defend the truth because I need to hand that very word down to my children. And then they need to hand it down to their children. And it needs to continue on for generations. And if somebody doesn't stand up and, and take a stand and fight for what is right, then what, what, what's going to come of it? You ever ask yourself that question? 
You know, I, I like to live in the here and now, and I do. But let me tell you, we need to be fighting for the future of our families and the future of our churches and the future of our denomination. Would you say amen? And it's going to take some soldiers doing that. It's going to take some people that are willing to stand up, and, and it's going to take some hardships. You know, it may be one day that I'm going to stand up and say the Bible's the truth, and a lot of people start making fun of me and say, well, you're just dumb. You just, you just don't know what you're talking about. I may have to endure some things, but that's okay because I will stand for what I believe is right. Just as these men stood up for the truth and what they believed, we have, we have a reason to stand today, and that is to defend what is true and what is right. Would you say amen to that? And the next thing that I believe we have to do is not only do we have to stand up and, and have a reason, but we also have to have some resolve in ourselves. We have to, we have to you know, say to ourselves, I'm not going to give up when something happens. When the British government, they, they started sending their troops out, basically their idea was this. We can just overwhelm them real fast at the beginning. We'll, just, we'll just, just send a bunch of troops, and we'll just scare them to death. I mean, they're farmers, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're businessmen, they're loggers, and if we just send enough troops, we're going to overwhelm them real fast, and they're, they're just going to run away, and they're going to they're gonna take this back, and we'll accept them back, and, and, and you know, we'll say no harm, no foul. It's, it's okay. But as they sent these troops out and, and, and they began to try to overwhelm the people, the, the men that were in, in uh, the United States uniforms, we, we look at them in a movie as the men in blue, right? And the British were the guys in red. And the men in blue, they were, they were standing there and, and they thought, you know, these guys, these British guys, they don't want to be here. They're 3,000 miles from home. And so what would happen is when these British guys would try to overwhelm the troops, these, these Americans, they would just fight back just a little bit, and the British would have enough. You know why? Because these Americans had resolve in their self, and they had decided that if it, if it takes me laying down my life for my family, that I am willing to do that. You know why? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Do you know why people uh, don't last very long a lot of times in churches? Because they just have no resolve in their self. A lot of people will come and they'll make a profession at an altar and, and things will go well for a day or two, a week or two, maybe even a couple of years until something happens. And then they start, they start questioning God and they start saying, well, why did these things happen to me? And, and they hit a bump in the road and all of a sudden they say, you know what, I've had enough. And then they become a statistic of what we call a church dropout. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but over the years, uh, the church has, has rung up a pretty good, a pretty good uh, tally of church dropouts. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, just hundreds of people I could think of right off the top of my head. And I think, what, 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 what could we have done differently? And the church may have done everything right and, and may have, have, have just lifted these people up and prayed for them and tried to teach them. But listen, if somebody doesn't make up their own mind that they're going to stick with it, then there's nothing I can do. And I would ask you this morning, if you've accepted Jesus, you're just going to have to make up your mind that no matter how bad it gets and no matter what happens, that I'm just going to stick with this thing. You can't, you, as a Christian, there's, there's nowhere to give up. And these men that were fighting for our country, they, they said, you know what? We can't give up. 
If we give up, then, then our families are going to be ruled by, by Britain. If we give up, then, then you know they're probably going to put us in jail, maybe even kill us, so we're probably going to die either way. We might as well fight dying for what we believe is right. You know, sometimes it may come down to death. We don't, we don't face that in the United States, but you know that there are Christians giving their lives for the cause of Jesus probably every single day in this world. I'm thankful that I don't have to deal with that here, but there are people doing it all the time in Muslim countries and in other places. And a lot of these people will never know their name. They won't be famous. They won't make a headline. But you know what? They endured as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. They were willing to do that. They were willing to go even, uh, even to the end and die for what they believed was right. We see that here that sometimes it's going to take us just, just resolving in ourselves. He says in verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. But I tell you more than anything, why I like to fight or why I follow Jesus and I believe it's the same reason that these soldiers fought and these men fought. It was because they knew at the end there was going to be a reward. They knew that, that even though they might not make it through the battle and, and they might not you know, see it, that eventually if they won the war, that the reward would be that their, their families would be free and that they could sort of do what they wanted to, and they could establish this country. And by the way, guess what? You're living in the reward right now, if you're living in the United States. We're still living off of the, the reward that these men fought for, and that these men look forward to. But let me tell you, as a Christian, we have a far greater reward, amen? And what's wonderful about it is the battle's already been won. The war is already won. It was won when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And sure, we're still down here fighting a battle, and we may occasionally have our skirmishes and have our upsets and things that we don't like to deal with. But, but understand this, that the reward is there for us at the end of life. Turn your Bibles over just one page probably to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very familiar piece of scripture. This is the same book. Paul is still writing to Timothy. And he says these words in verse 6. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. That's a, that's a, uh, a fancy way of saying I'm about to be beheaded. I'm about to be killed. And he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Apostle Paul tells us, he said, I have fought a good fight. 
And I hope today that I can, I can have that same testimony when it's my time to go, that I could look back over my life and say, you know what, I, I, I fought for what was right. I did what I could. And it, it may have not made a great difference in the world, but maybe it made a difference somewhere. I would love for that to be my testimony. But the best part about it is Paul said that henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Well, guess where you're going to get that crown of righteousness in heaven, amen? And he said it's not for him only, but for all those that love his appearing. All those that, that are good soldiers, all those that, that fight and, and, and finish the battle. I want to encourage you this morning, if, if you're lost, to join in with us. And if you're lost this morning, I want you to understand this, that you're one of the reasons I fight. See, standing here in, in the pulpit on Sunday mornings is, is just, I hate to say it, it's one of the easy, easier things that I do. The reason I say that is, is because sometimes I struggle with what to preach. Sometimes I, I struggle with what to say to people. And, and, and I fight a lot of battles praying for people and asking God to, to save them and, and to continue giving mercy and, and continue giving them opportunities and chances to be saved. And if you're a good soldier of Jesus Christ, guess what? You will be doing the same thing. You will not only be fighting for your families and fighting for those, but you'll be praying for the lost and fighting for them. Amen? And as a church, we should be fighting to see lost people saved. That's what a good soldier does. And I would love for you to have the, the same reward that's coming to all of us, and that is to see heaven one day. See, when, when the Revolutionary War was going on, no matter if you were just a lowly farmer or you were a lawyer or whatever, if you had a million dollars in the bank or you had ten cents, the reward was going to be the same. No matter how many battles you fought in and no matter what, what came of it, at the end of the day, when the war was won, you had become part of the United States of America. And I would like to say that one day, no matter how many battles you fight, because I, I, I'll tell you, some people just don't go through as many things as other people. That's just life, amen? But the beautiful part about it is, is the reward is the same, and that is heaven for eternity. What a reward that was bought for us on Calvary. I can't imagine what Jesus went through as he was fighting the battle on Calvary, but he won that. Why wouldn't we want to live for him? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you and, and lift you up this morning. Lord, thanking you for the opportunity of salvation. And God, we put our focus on you this morning. And God, I just pray that, that as Paul told Timothy, Lord, that I can be a good soldier for you. And Lord, that I can do my part. And God, I just pray that you would continue to protect our church. And, and Lord, we know that, that the battle is not just ours, but God, that you are battling for us. And God, I just pray that the lost in this church this morning would see that, 
that they're going to deal with things and they're going to go through some of the same hardships that we are. But Lord, without the reward at the end of life, life is not even worth living. God, I just pray that you would open people's eyes and open their hearts and open their minds to receive you. Lord, at whatever cost that may be. God, help us as Christians to continue to battle on our knees and fight, Lord, to see people saved. And, and continue to pray back the forces of evil so that, that maybe the grip of Satan would be loosened on their lives. And Lord, that their hearts would be softened to know you. God, help us to pray. Help us to be good soldiers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.